Welcome to Unpopular But Accurate, the podcast. After all these years, there's only one thing these two can agree on. They're always right. Here's your host, David and Tyler. Hello welcome to another edition here of Unpopular But Accurate. I'm your host here, Tyler, with my great co-host here, David. What's good, David? Yes, sir. We're in the house. We're going to talk a little bit of sports today. I'm excited. What about you? Listen, we got a lot to unpack today. Pretty oh, excited yeah. about it. Right? Yeah, we do. You know, we got to discuss that, that lackluster show that the Tar Heels had up there in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That thing was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly. Dukes blow out against NC State. Blue Devils picked up a big win. Nobody's surprised about that one, though. Let's be uh, honest. They finally found some defense, uh, which, which is great for them moving forward. But uh, they had a big loss this week. We'll get into that. Everybody knows that's breaking news. The Hornets fell 1-2 in game since our last predictions that we put out there. Um, they did. What's you know, going on? We're going to jump in on a slew of injuries that have affected the Hornets. Um, and then, just some, we're going to close the show. We're going to talk about the Panthers right now. They are the sights set on a quarterback because right now they look hell-bent on getting their future signal caller. One quick thing. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that uh Follow button on Instagram at unpopular but accurate on IG. Hit us up. Uh, YouTube page is coming soon, so be on the lookout for that as well. Also, don't forget about the Spotify channel. Follow us at unpopular but accurate on Spotify as well. Yes, sir. All right, so without any further ado, let's just go ahead and get to it. Jalen Johnson, David Gibson, I know you saw the news the other day. Let me call him my whole government name here. Right. <laughs> Listen, breaking news out of Duke here is we Jalen Johnson decided to forego the rest of his senior season to get prepared for the NBA draft. Johnson saw his minutes dwindle in his last two games. He played only 15 minutes against Notre Dame. He played only eight minutes against NC State in a game where Duke really didn't need him against NC State. Um, now, of course, knowing the level of basketball culture that Duke has, we all know this is kind of a shocking move right now. Uh, David, what do you think is going on here, and should Johnson be ashamed of leaving the Duke program? So I am kind of torn about this. There's a lot of different angles you can really look at it. You know, one of the main important angles to look at is Duke is playing for a way into the big tournament. So Jalen Johnson, ACC freshman up player of the year, not being on the Duke roster, obviously is going to clearly hurt the team uh, dramatically because we need every single one of these games upcoming. And we have a tough game against Virginia and the finale against UNC, which we're going to tear them apart for the last game of the year. We already know how that goes. But I'm torn in the sense because Jalen Johnson, like, if it's all about the ankle, right? Like during the COVID pandemic and everything, you kind of have a bait then excuse. You could just say like, you know, a lot of the games over 40 of the, excuse me, 34 of the ACC games have been already postponed or canceled, mm-hmm. you know, because of the COVID pandemic going on. Um, so it's just one of those things is, you know, the first thought when I heard this news come down, I thought about Zion Williams. I thought about yeah. Zion Williams two years ago. Yeah. When we played Carolina, everybody in the house. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody down to President Obama. And uh, within a minute of the game. He was there to watch his favorite team. Right. Duke. Yeah. yeah. We already know. How he, he's, he's true blue. He you played feel basketball me? in Carolina <laughs> while he was president. But we all know that a minute in that game, Zion Williams with his explosiveness. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the biggest things people say about him is his torque and his body is too explosive for, you know what I'm saying, his body frame being 6'8". 
260, 270, and he blew out his Nike shoe, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody at that moment, like Zion Williams was pretty much a prohibited, you know, favorite to be the number one pick. Right. Him and R.J. Barrett. Yeah. You know, pretty much. And maybe John Morant. John Morant was baked in there as well. And what did Zion Williams immediately say shortly after the game? You know, I'm not going to leave my teammates out there to dry. I'm not like I'm coming. I'm coming back. Exactly. And we're going to make a tournament run. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. when you have this Jalen Johnson incident where, you know, he's not even projected to be a, a, like as high of a pick as Zion Williams and Zion Williams was committed to come back to play. You know, it kind of makes people look at you with a raised eyebrow. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a foot thing, though. Uh, th- there's a lot of insiders out there. There's a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people know Jeff Goodman. He's a basketball insider for Stadium.com. Um, Jeff Goodman reports that there were problems between Johnson and, and the coaches. He reports right. that Johnson wasn't buying into the program philosophy. Um he thought about leaving in December when he first got injured with his foot. So, no one, and then Jeff Goodman even said today, he went on to say he was shocked that he didn't leave in December. Right. So, this has been something that's been festering for a while, and I'm kind of shocked to see a star player not buy in. Do I think exactly. he should be ashamed for leaving the program? It's, it's, a, it's, it's 50-50. In a way, no, because you got to protect your future. These colleges make millions and millions and millions of dollars off these young men. These young men don't see anything in return for putting all that money in those pockets of the of the big wigs at the NCAA. So I get someone looking out for themselves for once, and that's exactly how you should look at it. But at right. the same time, it, it's you. Why were you playing in the last two games? It was called why, injury. like why? If that's if you, if you were so hurt, I mean, we understand that his minutes was going down, but yeah. is that increasing frustration on what's going on in your situation with Duke, or is it? I, I'm kind of getting it, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. And something smells smelly as well. Like, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, something doesn't sit right with my spirit with this one. Right. But more power to the brother. Like, if he's going to be a lottery pick, don't jeopardize your future and everything. But when you start having reports coming out of Duke that his camp, remember we was reading that story in that yep. article, his camp is not agreeing with Coach K and their philosophy and the direction they want to take the program. Jalen Johnson, you're a freshman, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Duke yeah. has been doing his thing for decades now, so you shouldn't feel bigger than the entire program if that's how he was coming. You know, he came out with his statement. Coach K came out with their statement. Of course, Duke, being who they are, they're going to support their players. You know Coach K isn't really happy about the situation. Right. You know, I don't care what's printed on paper. And he also said it was probably what's best for both parties to part ways. I agree that it's best for Duke to part ways with Jalen Johnson. And I don't agree that it's best for Jalen Johnson to part with Duke right now. First off, you look, you're look, going to be looked at like you quit on your team. Right. This is not exactly. the first time Jalen Johnson has left a basketball program. He switched high school three times. Did he? He switched three high school three times. See, that's something I didn't know. That's, wow. That's a trend did, do, that, that scouts now are going to be looking do at. Do we know the reason why he was switching schools? Does it matter? It, yeah, it, it really doesn't. It doesn't to be matter. honest, because he's obviously showing a trend of this. Exactly. He went to um, IMG Academy, or Montverde, excuse me, people, for not getting exactly Mont right. Verde. Oh, he went to Montverde. But it was one of those highly prestigious basketball schools. Mm. He went to one of those schools. He left it well after his junior season, went back to Wisconsin to a public school. So at the, at the end of the day, I, I it's a trend for him. I think this is not good for his draft stock. NBA uh Scouts are looking at this and saying, you're not buying in. 
How do you not buy in? There was not like there was no right. other choice. That's my right? thing. That's well, how I have I, to leave because right. it's my best interest. No, it's your best interest. Just just buy in uh, to a five-time national championship coach who has over a thousand wins, and this is coming from a Carolina fan. So <laughs> with that being yeah. said, dude, hey, you, 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 you spend fast right the, now. Though. You are the least favorite Duke player of all time of probably all Duke fans right now. I, I don't know. What are you talking about Duke fans? Duke yeah, fans. Grayson Allen. Probably one of the most disliked Duke players in history. Oh like, yeah, you know well, listen, we're talking but about the Mugs Duke fans. So, so when you put the, put it like that, I didn't know he came from Mount Verde as well, because you know that's where your boy Ben Simmons came from. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is when you say like Coach K thought it was best if they part ways. Mm-hmm. That to me, you know how like players come back after they're in the NFL or NBA and yeah. come support the team. That kind of makes me feel like. You know, maybe he might not be welcome with open arms if he ever tried to come back to Duke several years later to watch the new teams. So it'd be kind of interesting. Is we'll see how it goes. Now, if he does a lot of things for Duke post leaving, like donates and and participates right. in some of their philanthropies, they might open him back with open arms. But he's got he's got a lot of uh, earning to do. But nonetheless, the show must go on for Duke um, this week. They had an up and down week. They dropped a game at home against Notre Dame. Right after the loss of Carolina, that was a head scratcher um, in some ways. But now that Notre Dame has won six out of eight ball games, that kind of they on a roll right they now. They on a roll, but they Notre Dame's making a push for the tournament. So you can see why they lost that game. That game was very high scoring. Ninety, I think, it was almost exactly the same. It was ninety three eighty nine, four point difference. About that. Um, they also went to NC State though, and they turned it around. And the Blue Devils put a beat down on the Wolf Pack, dude. The game was over midway through the first half. Uh, they cruised to a 69-53 victory with the loss. We all know NC State's tournament hopes, done. They're not making the tournament. Duke still might be able to rank a run. It is a long shot, but they are looking at Murder's Row coming up to close this season. Um, no, we're, Duke, we're, Duke we're probably quick played on his best basketball game of the season against NC State. Would you agree I, with that? Um, a couple little bit of nuggets mm-hmm. uh, along with that. The first thing here, sir, my wonderful co-host, um, did you have Duke losing that game pretty substantially to NC State? It wasn't substantial. It was single digits. I think we can go back to the tape. We you might can. need to, we might need to go back to the tape on that one because you didn't have no confidence in my team, and I told you it was going to be how we was coming. All right, all right. I told so, you. This. So, so, ladies and gentlemen, what David wants from me right now is for me to say. He was accurate about a double-digit win for the Blue Devils in Raleigh. Accurate, which he was. Yes, I'll give him that. Um, Probably was an unpopular take that you had there. I didn't think Duke was. I don't think anyone thought you'd win. Right. So but I didn't think he was going to win. But that's my whole thing, though. I love the underdog role for us. You feel me? Like I don't want everybody to think, you know, Duke as far as the history. Obviously, we wanted. We probably the most famous. You know, college basketball team in history, you know, and, um, you know, so we obviously have a target on our back, but right now Duke is the underdog and they played their asses off against NC State. Now, I, I think that, um, a lot of things that really happened, you know, I love, I mean, I don't know if you really heard of commentating in the game and everything, but Doug Sherman and, and uh, Corey Alexander both did their thing during the game. As far as NC State point guard, light skinned dude, uh, what's my man named Shaquille Moore? Mm-hmm. Yo, he's going to be here to come. Like he may be a uh, first is he, is or he second. Is putting the ACC on notice? He kind of, to me, felt like it felt like he was putting ACC on notice. You know what okay. I'm saying? Because I didn't really see that out of him. He had a great game and a losing effort for them. But you know, I, like I said, you know, Duke needed that win. They did. We needed that win, and we showed up because pressure made diamonds. 
I think the the biggest thing for Duke, and and this is what's contributed to their Jekyll and Hyde season that they're having. Mm. Uh, they're they're eight and eight, which is the epitome of Jekyll and Hyde. Um, so here's the biggest thing for you guys: defense. When you guys play defense, you win games. Duke does not have a problem scoring. They don't have a problem scoring. They, oh, yeah, they nah. scored eighty seven against Carolina. They scored right. eighty nine against Notre Dame. They lost those games. Why? Sure as hell wasn't because they couldn't score. It's because they didn't play any defense. Look, David, did you know this season alone, when Duke holds its opponents to less than 70 points a game, Duke is undefeated. They're 8 now. Yeah, I didn't know that. Conversely, when they allow their opponents to score more than 70 a game, they are They are also winless. So they have yeah. not won any game where an opponent scores more than 70 in a game. And so yeah, go ahead. The, the whole thing here for Duke is – Keep the defense going if you want your season to stay alive. You got to buy in on defense. I think the subtraction of Jalen Johnson, I'm going to go on a limb and say this, is addition to the team. Yeah. I think it's better off for Duke not to be with him because you don't want players that are not bought in because they're not going to play as hard as the other players around them. And that's oh, yeah. okay. It's going to be contagious. Contagious in the locker room. Oh, yeah. And it's going to cause friction. So I think this is best for Duke moving forward. Will they be able to make a run out of this? Maybe build some momentum? We'll see. They got a big game tomorrow night against Wake Forest, who's Probably going to be licking their chops to play you guys. Oh, yeah. And we ready, too. You feel me? Like, they're going to be licking their chops. They ain't going – it's not no baby back ribs here. It's it's no cakewalk with two. You feel me? So, one of the biggest things that you said that really stood out to me, though, is, you know, the multiple losses at home. And, you know, especially – Duke has gone years without losing home games. And this year we lost more than – you know, it's been, it's been about three or four games lost at home. Let them you know, back to back ACC. The Cameron, we, we actually need the Cameron Crazies more than I thought. Yep. You know, obviously I know they're super important. Fans are. We got one of the best home court advantages in college mm-hmm. basketball. Um, but Jalen Johnson actually was a liability to us defensively. Yes, he was. So, you know, offensively, that's going to help because, you know, there's been a lot of reports that Coach K kind of looks at Jalen Johnson a little bit with a raised eyebrow when it starts getting, you know, towards the end of the game. The game is tight, but Chiefs start clinching, all that good stuff. Is he somebody you can really rely on, not defensively? Well, well I'll put it like this. It's going to be very interesting to see. They've got Wake Forest coming up. Um, they've got UVA coming up. You talk about Duke's tournament chances. They got a real good opportunity come Saturday with UVA. If yeah, they, they can do. beat them, that's a quad one Woo. win. That'll be the first time all season Duke has beaten a top 25 team. Right now, they're currently 0-3 against top 25 opponents. It's crazy. So, we, if they can get a win there, that's going to be a pretty, pretty big uh, tournament booster, for the, a resume booster for the tournament. Wake Forest, though, they cannot get fat and happy against what they did against NC State because Wake Forest is there. Wake Forest played Florida State to a very tight ball game. Should have beat Florida State over the weekend, who you just saw dismantle Virginia last night. But at the end of the day, Wake Forest is hungry. They know they can compete with the top teams in the country. So Duke is going to have to be ready for tomorrow night and not be looking ahead to Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's definitely a fact. They have a great new head coach in Wake Forest. Um, with the Demon, De- uh, Demon Deacons and, you know, he, he's coaching them boys up. They're really bought in in his system, his philosophy, mm-hmm. and it's showing a lot of results, um, so far this year. So we'll see if they can keep it up. We'll see. I, I still think they got to run the table or at least just win in the ACC tournament to get into tournament. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Listen, we got two games coming up, David. Wake Forest versus Duke. You got Duke and Virginia on Saturday. Who do you think is going to win Tuesday's contest and, and, and by how many, my friend? So, again, um, you know, 
Corey Alexander was painting this picture pretty well, you know, during the uh, broadcast about what Duke needs to do to make it into the tournament. You know, we obviously have to win, you know, and potentially win the ACC championship as well to, you know, kind of be able to slide our way in. And once we're in, nobody wants to play us, right? You know what I'm saying? Because we are experienced. That's where coaching experience really takes over. We're going to have to win against this Wake Forest team. I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be nip and tuck all game. Mm -hmm. Wake Forest is pretty damn good defensively. I like them Um, in that front. Uh, I think Duke squeezes out like a two or three point win mm-hmm. against Wake Forest. Now, Virginia on Saturday, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be praying to my lucky stars. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though we've seen them thoroughly whooped and exposed. First of all, they, they exposed Carolina. Carolina didn't look like they wanted to play Virginia at all. They looked like a a pup compared to a big dog, really. Like, they showed up and showed out against, you your, against your Tar Heels. You they did, I remember vividly watching that game in... They were like, you know, North Carolina's down 12 points right now to, uh, uh, they're down 12 points to Virginia. But at the same time, it feels like 20, 25 listen, points. Listen, listen, we'll get to the that's how it Virginia is. minute. Okay. What's the score going to be at Wake Forest? So, Wake Forest, you're talking about Duke and uh, Wake Forest. Give me the score of, I think it's going to be somewhere in the range of 70 to 67. Duke with a slim win. Really, that's some. I'll take. I'll take the Blue Devils seventy-seven, yeah, who you got? seventy-one. Seventy. Even though they're on the road, I'll okay. take them seventy-seven, seventy-one. They'll get over that seventy-point barrier. They'll yeah. they'll finally be the team to get to over seventy. Now against UVA on Saturday, I'll go give my prediction. Duke ain't beating UVA. Mm. I, I I hate to say it for you guys. Well, maybe not. I kind of love it, but it, it is nah, nah, day, we know. You know, we know. UVA, hey, I, I want to say UVA pulls that out <laughs> sixty-five, fifty-eight. It's not going to be a high-scoring affair. You guys have some playmakers. You can possibly make some shots there. Get, I'll take I'll take UVA by seven. Is this because that you want UVA to uh, beat Duke because they just beat y'all down and y'all got exposed on national television? Is that what? No, this has because to do? I don't believe we got exposed. But we'll get in that in a minute. What's your score for Saturday in Durham? My score for Saturday. Is Duke gonna pull it out. Are you Blue Devils gonna step up to the plate and win a ball game? We know it's gonna be a low scoring game. Um, Virginia has the best defense in the nation. You know, they didn't look like it the other night against Florida State, but statistically, you know, they have a they top They're going to be hungry for you guys. Uh, they're going to be hungry for sure. So, you know, it's, you know, even more so because they just lost, right? Right. Now they, they're feeling the burn, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's going to make it more satisfying, honestly, if we beat them, you know, to be a Duke fan. But if I had to put out a, a score, uh, I think it's going to be something like in a range of 58 Duke, you uh Virginia fifty four. Give us a four point win on that. Okay, all right. Well, who wants it more? This is what it's gonna come you, down you to. Who wants it more? Dub this week. Oh yeah, you got to. You got to. I mean, it's gonna be the hardest game of our season um that we have remaining. Yeah. We, you know, we're not yeah. really thinking about Carolina at this point. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and let you know, dude. Whatever you're smoking, hook me up with your plug because I would love some of that. I got you off the broadcast. And, <laughs> moving on to the Tar Heels here. Yes, they went into Charlottesville. Walked out with a 60 to 48 L at the hands of the Cavaliers. Um, which is status quo in the series, to be honest. There was nothing surprising that what happened on Saturday. Carolina has lost seven straight games to Virginia. Tony Bennett knows how to beat Carolina. It's like the anti Carolina team that they've built in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. We like fast pace, up and down basketball. They like slow it down, uh, half court basketball. We're going to use most of the clock and we're just going to play good defense. And you know what? I'm betting that my defense is better than yours. Mm-hmm. And with a limited position game, 
position game, I'm going to beat you guys. That's that's their process, right? For Carolina, it, it was status quo. The game was not what they wanted. Um, they were riding high after beating Duke last Saturday. Uh, so the hope was you come in here and this is going to be a competitive game and hopefully you can pull out a victory and boost your tournament resume a little bit. But instead, the Cavs put out the victory. And again, they just seem to have UNC's number right now. Um, for me, overall thoughts on the game, and if you want to try to rip yeah, the team tell me what you shreds, think about it. Yeah, t- tell me because what you, think. you sit here and think that we got exposed, let me go and tell you, no, Carolina didn't get exposed. They got exposed. All right, Everybody knows it. Let me Even Carolina fans know. Let me tell you why. Tell me. Because Carolina didn't play as bad as the score indicated, okay? They provided the rest of the ACC and the world with a blueprint Saturday on how to beat Virginia. All right. If you go back and look at it, Carolina's strength is they are always one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the nation. Okay. They had 12 offensive rebounds against UVA. They held UVA to six. They also won the best rebounds in the team in the nation, period. They had 42 rebounds against UVA. That's what they averaged for the season. Mm. Carolina checks that box. That was the first thing. You got to win in the rebound award to beat them. Okay. All right. Second That's thing. True. Second thing. You knew if Carolina even had a chance in Charlottesville, they had to slow down the, stop the turnovers. They had to mm. get rid of them. They had 15 turnovers, a average bunch of turnovers. That was surprising. Season, yeah, on the season, 15 turnovers a season. But at UVA, guess what? They only had eight. That's not bad. That wins you ball games. They only had eight turnovers on the road at UVA. The other thing, the reason why they didn't get exposed, they just couldn't make shots. That was all it was. We got 10 more shots off than Virginia did. Usually, that bodes for a Carolina win. Carolina just did not shoot the ball well. They got the looks they wanted. We just missed wide-open threes. We missed wide-open jumpers. We missed bunny-hop layups. Even Roy Williams said, listen, we missed a lot of shots today. Yeah, but the layups the day, is unexcusable. Um, at the end of the day, all we we have to do next time, play the exact same game plan. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. The ball just didn't go in the hoop. And I'm okay with that as a Tar Heel fan. At the end of the day, we got to play a little bit better defense on the three-point line, but they got two big men that can really shoot it. They they scorched they us. They went 7-11. Um, so with that being said, I'm well, not well, let me, with the loss. Let me, let me uh, interject and uh, say a little bit of this as far as your take. Now, that is that is really good to know. I mean, I'm not hating on Carolina right now. Y'all got a squad. Like, you know, y'all got a squad. Y'all got a hell of a head coach, you know, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. We all know that. Um, you know, so I'm going to give it up to Carolina in that front. But I will say this. You know, again, you know, y'all had a better rebound in total. You know, people just won't hit in shots. To me, it just, it felt like, you know, even if Carolina, nobody thinks that Carolina is a better team, but it felt like Virginia was the big brother, you know, and Carolina is the little brother. Now we know Virginia is a big brother to pretty much damn near everybody right now in the ACC. They've been bullying everybody for, you know, three, four years now. Five years. Five years, five years in a row now. Best right? record in the ACC. Right. Last it's, five years, 59 and now 10. Since exactly. Lost the state, but. And it's like. It's like when a little brother gets big enough to beat the big brother, he might be the same size. He might be bigger. He might weigh more. But for whatever reason, he just doesn't have the confidence to beat his older brother, even though he has a physical attributes to actually do so. And that's the impression I was getting from Carolina on Saturday night is they can actually compete and beat this team, but they don't, they don't feel confident enough. They don't have the eye of the tiger the way you need to to show up, especially in Virginia, to get a win. I, I, I disagree. Carolina played a good game plan. They executed exactly what Roy Williams wanted. We just couldn't make shots. At the end of the day, they didn't take us out of what we wanted to do. We got all the offensive rebounds that we needed to have to get extra possessions. Mm. We stopped turning the ball over. We took very good care of the basketball. I was very impressed with that. 
we just could not, at the end of the day, make shots. There was like a lid on the, on the basket on both ends of the floor. That happens sometimes. That happens. It, it, it does. It's not like Carolina can't score. They hung 91 points in Durham. All right, it's not like they they ha- can't do that. They they made ten of fifteen. We just went over though how bad Duke, how okay. bad Duke is or can be but, defensively. But, they, but just because a team is bad, that doesn't mean you can't shoot well. You see what I'm saying? Like for Carolina, just because they're playing a bad team, they can play a bad team and still not shoot well. We've done it all season, but they've shown that they can make shots and that they didn't. That's a little disappointing. But at the end of the day. I take nothing from this loss, okay? Right. The things that the Carolina can can learn. From it this. wasn't a death blow for y'all. It was it not. Wasn't. No, there's no shame in losing you to a saying. top 10 team on the road. Um, at the end of the day, Walker Kessler, keep it up, my friend. He had nine points. It's career high for him. We need more of that for him so he can get more PT, give some of the other bigs a break. Well, again. one thing I will say, though, is, I mean, again, where is Caleb Love when you need him? There's like an APB out for him in crunch time. Yeah. He has to show up. He showed up like hell in the Duke game, balling out, scored, dropped 25 buckets on Duke, you know, did his thing and was aggressive the whole game. To me, he has to continue that aggressiveness throughout the year or Carolina's going to be in some serious trouble. I, I'm with, I get what you're trying to say, but you got to liken Caleb Love to LaMelo Ball. When he doesn't show up Ooh, for one I don't game, know about that one. You, you, well, you've got to have the same expectations you do for both. All right, You don't expect LaMelo Ball to come out and drop 20 points and get 10 assists tonight, do you? No, no one expects that. I mean, he's a rookie. Caleb Love's a freshman. He's going to struggle. Lamella he's going to have his up and downs. LaMelo Ball is great, but Caleb Love has also shown he's pretty good. So at the end of the day, I'm not upset with his performance either. He just could not make shots. No one can make shots. Carolina shot 30% for the game. Nobody. It's not just Caleb's love fault. The whole team couldn't make shots. We're going to learn from this. What we learned is that we can play with anybody in the country. We just got to make our shots. We'll learn from that. We'll move on. And then Carolina also struggling to keep opponents on the schedule. As you know, the Virginia Tech game got canceled this week. Right. Um, they went to Twitter to Yo, elicit that games. Was, that was funny. What did, what did they say on Twitter? They said, looking for opponents February 16th, 18th. <laughs> Contact us if interested. They should have said DM us if interested. That y'all, been hilarious. y'all know we're going to post that tweet, too. So if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. They were literally, it was like somebody asking for a date yep. on social media. Like, who, who wants to date me? You feel me? Yeah. Carolina has to. <laughs> to get that date in. Uh, they've got to get gotta get some games on the schedule. Luckily, they scheduled a game with Northeastern. Northeastern, not a big-time opponent. I get it, but at least it helps them build continuity. And it should be, a, not only a guaranteed win, because nothing's guaranteed right now. That would be it, a it, bad it, loss, it would, though. It would be, that would be nasty. It should be a, a, a should-be win on the schedule. Um, Northeastern, 9-7, 7-2 in their conference right now. All we need to do is stay status quo, play the game plan, keep the momentum going, Correct, correct the things from this past weekend. Get ready for the big game against Louisville. Louisville's eleven and four, David. Yeah. Uh, they're they're six and three in the ACC. They are a team to be reckoned with. They are on a COVID pause. This will be the first time they played in more than they'll play this t- uh, tomorrow night against Syracuse, but they haven't played in sixteen days. I, at one point this year, they went sixty days without even having a basketball game. I mean, damn, what can they? Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. rhythm. You have or you're not going to have because of that long layoff. It'll be interesting to pay attention and to see how they're able to what, what kind of resolve do they have? What kind of uh, adversity yeah. ability do they have to come over the adversity of not playing for so long and still be able to gel? You feel me? Right, right. It's going to be a big game. They've been off for two weeks. We'll play against Syracuse on on, on Wednesday. Um, here's the thing. Uh, Louisville doesn't score a lot of buckets. They, they only don't. average 69 points a game. Right. Um, so this is a game Carolina should feel confident about winning as well. I, I think Carolina's going to pull out a win. I'm not, I'm not trying to. Give me your score though. I don't like, want to look how at confident, how confident one to 10. 
Are you that Louis? Give me uh, Carolina 78-74. Here's why. Okay. Okay. Big men are going to out-rebound them. They have no tall players on their team that can rebound with us. Uh, I think their, their tallest player on their team that, that actually plays meaningful minutes is 6-8. We've got 6-11, 6-10, and 6-11. Okay. Um, you've got that going for us. Also, the first to 70 wins is going to win this game. Louisville clearly isn't a scoring team. Carolina's not that great at scoring. But at the end of the day, I think first to 70 wins. Carolina gets there. Mm-hmm. We're going to take the dub 78-74. And, of course, I think we'll beat Northeastern. So, 2-0 and this week for the Hills. Um, that kind of harkens back to uh, somebody made a really interesting point today on the ACC Network. Um, you know, here in Unpopular But Accurate, we have our own views. And we're going to come at you exactly how the hell we think. And we ain't scared of nobody as well with that. Um, so, if we offend you, we're sorry. But we're always going to be respectful. And we're going to keep it real. Right. Sometimes the truth hurt, But we're we going to say it with our chest. Listen, we're going <laughs> to... Facts. All facts. <laughs> but one of the things that I thought was really interesting was uh, they were saying that, you know, against the Florida State-Virginia game, Whoever is closer to their averages is going to win that ball game. Virginia being that team that defensively, number one in the nation, they're holding opponents to about 59 points a game. Right. Uh, Florida State, number one offense in the ACC right now, and they're average, they're averaging about 78 points per game. Well, so whoever was closer to the averages was going to win was what my, what my man was saying. And that actually was true because Florida State, Put it, put it on them, and beat the brakes off them, and uh, we're closer to the average. Listen, I, this is what I'm gonna say about UVA, the FSU game. Florida State put the entire ACC on notice last night. They did. They are the best team in the ACC right now. They have, they have it all. They've got sized big men, it, not just sized big men. They've got skilled big men. All right, they, and they've got shooters. They athletic as hell. They, they will, are. They will be a factor come March. All right, the rest of the nation needs to take notice as well. Also, Virginia Tech, another team to keep an eye on. They are also on a COVID pause, but it'd be exciting to see if the Hokies put back on the floor. They're third in the conference, fourteen and four, eight and three. Right now, the conference standings goes as follows: Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Carolina, Clemson, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, all the way down to Duke um, in the standings. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be an exciting week for North Carolina basketball, Duke basketball, ACC basketball. A lot to still shake out on this great season so far. All right, David, we're going to move things over here to the professional side of the ball. The Charlotte Hornets right now have hit a string of bad luck this past week. We've had injuries to several key players. The Hornets have fallen all the way to 1-2 and two in these last couple of games against Memphis, San Antonio, and the Timberwolves. They got losses to Memphis and San Antonio. Picked up a win against the Timberwolves. Um, right now, the injury status of the Hornets, Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington all missed some games this past week. Really, nothing serious. Uh, hey, Washington's out in COVID protocols, so nothing serious for him. And, and Hayward and Graham are day-to-day. Unfortunately, though, this week, the uh, Hornets and San Antonio Spurs played a game last week, and after the fact, it was found that San Antonio had four players that tested positive for COVID. So out of an abundance of caution, the NBA has canceled the next two games. Did they ever say who it was? Chicago and Denver. No, they didn't. I mean, it's probably out there. I didn't really dig that much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really want to have too much concern for it because hopefully they get back to the, the help they need to be and they get their games going. We get these games played. But That's a fact. games against, against Chicago and Denver – are canceled. I was kind of looking forward to seeing Kobe White play up against the Hornets, but that would have been really interesting. Yeah, um, we would have been both looking forward to that game. Um, but damn, 
Like, they're supposed to be in COVID protocol yeah. before the game even happens. They're supposed to be able to, you know, take tests. And the day after, literally, they're, you know, players testing positive. Yeah. So, hopefully, we there hasn't been any news as far as any Hornets players right now. No, right now um, we got all negatives. But, you know, as you know with testing, you can show up negative on one test. And then the next test, you come up positive in a couple of days. So, that's why the next two games are canceled. They won't hit the court again until... February the 20th, so in about five days, they'll play against Golden State. So we can see them play Charlotte's uh, Yo, LaMelo, favorite LaMelo son. LaMelo against Curry. Curry. Uh, it's going to be uh, light skin versus light skin. Yeah, it may not be all bad for the Hornets, though, because this pause gives us our chance for those players that are hurt to get a little healthy. Right. So uh, I'm pretty We need P.J. Washington back. We, we need, need Gordon Aaron. We know. With that being said, though, let's talk about the guards real quick for the Hornets. David, I- I'm sitting here thinking Rozier – he must have heard me talking junk in the kitchen of my own house, not even being recorded. Facts. Because I said, I think LaMelo Ball should start over Terry Rozier. You know what Terry Rozier's done since he's since LaMelo Ball's been inserted into the lineup? He's balled the hell out. He's had 34, 41, Speak and 33 scoring in each of the past couple of games. All right, over 30 points every game. Um the Hornets, I'm thinking the Hornets have the best collection of guards. My, my thing is this, though. Are you surprised what Terry is doing? Yes, because he didn't do this last year for us. You know, he might have had a sporadic 30 points. He didn't. I, I would say he, that. You know, he don't have that, but nothing like this. I mean, let me give you something for him. Do you know for the month of February, Terry <laughs> Rozier is averaging 27 points per game? Whoa. The Hold entire on. month. I knew it was crazy, but yeah. like. I mean, that got to be almost top five in the league. For the month, yes, it is. For the month. Right up. Okay. Month. Now, last month he averaged 17. The month before December, he was pretty good too, 24 points per game. But right now he's on a new level. Right. Well, now. you what you were saying is as far as, you know, Terry Rozier must have heard you because as soon as you started talking a little junk, yeah. my man just started to hit them buckets. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, yes, he has really showed out and showed up. But I've liked Terry for years now. I always thought he was a great acquisition for the Hornets. Yeah. I mean, he proved and showed a lot to me uh, two years ago when he was, uh, was it actually three years ago now, where he was on the Celtics and Kyrie went out for the playoffs, yep. and Terry Rozier stepped in and stepped the hell up. Yep. Like, one of the biggest things they talk about on local Charlotte radio right now, 610 and Fan and Beyond, is, you know, there's a lot of, like, who's the leader of this team? Mm-hmm. And what is this team image and their, their powers? What does it embody? And everybody pretty much unanim- unanimously was feeling like, Terry Rozier is the persona of the, of the Hornets. Like, that's one guy you don't want to meet in the back of the alley because he's going to scrap and he's going to fight with anybody. <laughs> no one wants to fight yeah. Terry Rozier. He plays the game with an attitude. Or might be on you got to love it, though. Yeah, no, I'm with it. Terry Rozier definitely has brought that attitude to the Hornets. Terry Rozier, if you're listening, because I know you listen to us every week. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I was wrong. Keep balling, my friend. Keep right. Do your thing, King, because you're doing it for the Hornets. Young right now. King out there. Thank God, though. LaMelo Ball has also upped his game at the same time yeah. uh, uh, while Terry Rozier has done the same. LaMelo Ball was averaging about 10 points in February. That's about his average for the season, actually. This month, do you know how many points he's averaging right now? What is he? What has it moved up to? 21 points a game in February. Mm-hmm. So we got Terry Rozier throwing down 27 a game. We've got LaMelo Ball throwing down 21 a game in the month of February. And you got Devontae Graham throwing down 44 points in the month of February. That's 62 points averaging from your backcourt per game right now in the month of February alone. 
Do you know what other teams that have three players starting their backcourt that most people would say they would take those three over our three any day? Do you know mm-hmm. how many other teams can do that? We're talking about the Brooklyn Nets, which is statistically yeah. right now the best offensive team in history. Now, granted, it's a very small sample size. What do they have, like eight, eight to ten games? Yeah. But so far, I mean, they're looking unbelievable. But, you know, how, did, how does the Hornets compare? Well, well I, I will say this. It, it's actually not the Brooklyn Nets. The only other team that has three guards like we do that start um, three players that you would probably take over the, the our three, which is, again, Graham, uh, Rozier, and Ball, mm-hmm. is the Celtics. they got Kimball Walker. Yeah. They've got Jalen Brown, who's balling out this year to the tune of 26 points a game. And then you've got uh, Marcus Smart. Jason Tatum plays forward for him, so he's not, he really plays their, four, their stretch four position. They average 55 points a game. Right now, the mm-hmm. Hornets are 62 points a game. Between a rookie, uh, should have been comeback player, or excuse me, should have been most improved player last year, and a benched point guard in Boston. That's a mir- that When he was in Boston, that that's kind of... So, so I, I kind of liken this to uh, my man Pooh Shiesty. I'm going to give Pooh Shiesty. I'm going to give my man Pooh Shiesty a little bit of a shout-out right here on Unpopular But Accurate. And I say that because... Poop Shicey is a new rapper from Memphis, you know, right now uh, stationed in Atlanta like everybody else is in the music scene doing his thing. And Poop Shicey just dropped an album. And I don't know if y'all heard it or not, but my man came in the game like a veteran. You mm-hmm. feel me? And that's how I feel like LaMelo Ball is pulling up, you know? He, he he doesn't look like a rookie. Everybody says it. Every announcer, whether it's national or local, says the same thing. He's playing with hella confidence. He's assisting the ball. He has eyes in the back of his head. You know, he's hard to guard, being that he's, you know, 6'8". Uh, and he can take you or he can shoot the three. People actually be giving LaMelo open shots and open looks. Like, yeah. my man won't just knock it, knock they, it down in front of your face. You feel now me? they know better. Now, yeah, they started, they started to wake up. So we'll see what happens. Ball, even though he's playing well, only criticism I have from him is he's got to get his turnovers down still. It's killing the, the Hornets in our last two games. We had 18, 19 turnovers apiece. We lost both of those. It's no you secret. can't turn the you rock turn over. over that much, yeah. you're going to lose the game. It's so a dub. If he gets out of control, he should still be cruising his way to Rookie of the Year yes, he in is. the NBA. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. But we see what the Hornets do. They, like I said, they got to pause. Next game's February 20th against the Golden State Warriors. Charlotte's favorite son, Steph Curry. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Moving on to the other ball, the Carolina Panthers. All right. Let me tell you what. They have not been without their headlines this week. It might be quiet in the offseason for them right now. That's true. But the Panthers are generating plenty of buzz here in Charlotte. As we're getting closer and closer to the draft, the rumor mill is swirling around the Panthers at Bank of America Stadium that they are hell-bent on getting the next franchise quarterback. Okay? Right. Many mock drafts out there right now, David, have the Panthers taking a quarterback at eight. And some even call for the Panthers to trade up as high as number three to get a quarterback. Trade rumors say we're going to get one. They've already said they're not committed to Teddy Bridgewater. They won't even admit to the guy he should demand a trade. Yeah. If the Panthers do go this route, now let me put it on record. I do not want the Panthers to draft a quarterback this year. I'm putting it on record. I just don't think we need to with, with what's out there. But if they decide There's to a lot out there right now, though. Jimmy Garoppolo, you got Carson Wentz, you got potentially your trash. Agents. We're yep. talking about they're wanting to draft a quarterback. Right now, right. the Panthers, it's right. Deshaun Watson or nothing. It's either Deshaun Watson Drafting a quarterback or nothing. That's what that's what the choices are. Right now, while I'd rather them try to put everything they it can, it really in ain't Sean a choice. Watson, yeah, go ahead. But it looks like they're going to go in the draft and take a quarterback. So, David, if the Panthers 
decide to take a quarterback in the draft, who do you want them to take? Well, uh, that's that's going to be a tough one if we had to, because still I'm still a, a, a Teddy Bridgewater advocate, to be honest. Yeah. Like um, I've said it before in previous podcasts, I'll say it here again: the man has not gotten his chance to fully show all his capability and uh, attributes that he's able to show off on the field. Not for a COVID-ridden season where we didn't have no OTAs, we didn't have no uh, off-season practices, we didn't have no preseason games. He had to come to a new franchise and learn the system. Now, one of the most damning things about Teddy Bridgewater, I am not going to even lie, y'all. One of the most damning things is the fact that Terry, Ro- I mean, excuse me, Terry, Teddy Bridgewater is 0-8 during a game-winning drive. 0-8. Like, you can damn near fall and trip in at least one or two wins. Yep. I mean, so 0-8 is inexcusable. So he didn't, he didn't do much to really solidify or knock your socks off. That's why Panthers feel like, you know, they got to do something in draft. To me, I do like Trey Lance, though. If we had to, a lot of, you know, report Adam Schefter and Todd Mache's, you know, all reporting that Panthers may go up to number three in the draft and get the kid, Trey, Trey Lance. Um, so it would be really interesting. I mean, if we had to choose somebody, though, who you got? If we got to choose somebody, um, let me just give you my top quarterbacks in the draft. Give right it to now. me. Number one is a pipe dream, and we all know that's that man down there in Clemson, South Carolina. That would be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think he's number one on everybody's boards. Yeah, the Jaguars yeah. aren't coming out of that pick. Oh, they'd be Lakers stupid. Be realistic. We're not getting him. Trey Lance is my number two on that on that list at a, a North Dakota State University. He's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. Okay? Listen to this, right? As a freshman, he passed for 2,800 yards and 28 touchdowns. Guess how many interceptions he had as a freshman? As a freshman? Yeah. I mean, what, less than five? Zero. Yeah. Zero. 68% completion percentage as a freshman. Okay? He, Pretty not damn only good. that, you know, you might say, that, well, the yards aren't there. 2,800 is not a lot of yards. It's not. But guess how many yards he ran for? He ran for 1,100 yards as a freshman. Mm-hmm. 1,100 yards. A lot of running backs in the NCAA don't even get 1,000 yards in a season. In a season, he that's did true. it as a quarterback, and he also threw in 14 touchdowns on the ground as a freshman. So you're telling me this guy has 42 total touchdowns and damn near 4,000 yards of total offense in a freshman season? Let me have him. 68 percent completion percentage. Let you are a good runner. Let's get it. All right. He's got good size. He's got good arm strength. And he's got big play potential. He, he can he can either throw for a touchdown or he can run for a touchdown anytime he touches the ball. I think that's perfect for Joe Brady and the offense that we want to run. That's true. Third, you got Zach Wilson is a guy you're hearing a lot about Panthers right now. They might move up to get him. I'm not high on Zach Wilson. I like him over Justin Fields because Justin Fields has some issues with, you know, he stays in the pocket too long. He doesn't go through his progressions like he needs to. Um, and he won't take the check down. He'll force it down the field. And we don't need that. We need someone that's smart and can take the check down when it's there. Especially if Christian McCaffrey is going to be there because if we obviously draft a quarterback, Christian McCaffrey will still be on the, on the team. Um, but think about Zach Wilson. People like he makes all the throws. He can fire a quick fastball. However, the, the problem and the reason why I eliminate him from contention with the Panthers is he's known to be entitled from what I'm hearing from the who, insider. Who, Justin No, 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 Jack, Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson. Uh, known Wilson. to be entitled. Okay. They say he comes from a very wealthy family and his, pan- his parents can be sometimes hard to deal with. That's just not headaches we need. Hey, who else does that sound like, though? 
Grayson Allen. Uh, no. <laughs> but you definitely tried it just now, though. <laughs> you definitely tried it. No, I was going to say uh, Johnny Menzel. That's the exact same thing yeah. people were saying about Johnny Menzel yeah. when he was in college. Well, the thing is, he goes to BYU, Zach Wilson does. So, he, I mean, is he drinking as a college kid? Probably. But on BYU, of you, course. Can, you can't publicize it. So you got to live it up He's standing out of the limelight there. So he's being at least smart there. The other criticism people have of Wilson is that he holds on the ball too long. So if I take into those considerations, i got to go Trey Lance, man. Trey Lance seems to be the dude. And, and I liked him last year when he was brought up. Some people thought he could be taken before Trevor Lawrence. As we know now, there's not enough evidence because he couldn't play this season due to COVID. Um, Ford to make that decision to get Trey Lance ahead, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So just to kind of go over mock drafts around the internet right now, um, ESPN, both Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper have the, the Panthers taking Trey Lance. Todd McShay thinks we're going to trade up true. to number three to get him. Mel Kuyper has us getting him at number eight. He thinks he'll fall to number eight. I pray and hope that happens. Um CBS, you know, two two experts on CBS have us taking Justin Fields. Um, one person has us trading for Watson and giving up a King's ransom, which I'm okay with. And then another person has us say taking- what they're talking about though, as far as what uh, the Panthers are potentially willing to give up just to get Deshaun Watson. Oh, I've seen some places where it's as much as three picks in Christian McCaffrey, which is completely asinine. Um, if you're going to give up Christian McCaffrey, you can maybe, and I do mean maybe, give up two picks in Christian McCaffrey that, that are first-round draft picks. But you don't give them three first-round draft picks plus your first-round draft pick in Christian McCaffrey, who is worth yeah. about two first-round draft picks on right. his own. So you're telling me Deshaun Watson's worth five total first-round draft picks? No, nah. he is not. Not for one team. You can't, no. you can't nah. mortgage that much to get him. Yeah. Pro Football Focus thinks we'll take fields, both both riders on there. Another guy thinks we'll take Kyle Pitts. NFL.com riders think we'll take Lance. And another person thinks we'll trade up to two to get Wilson. And The Athletic thinks – you know, Fields is a choice for the Panthers. So, all in all, the experts favor Justin Fields landing with the Panthers. Well, I, I, you over, know, over Trey Lance. Justin Fields is interesting because, you know, one, he's a uh, Ohio State quarterback. Yep. You know, and we just had what, what was um what's the Redskins quarterback? Oh, not a Red Washington football team, mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins. We've seen what happened with him. We've seen what happened to Cardell Jones. Yep. Didn't really make it. Um. There's a slew of different Ohio State quarterbacks that really don't produce on the NFL level. Yeah. You know, and I, I wasn't head over heels in love, you know, with uh, Justin Fields. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. The way he played in the college football playoffs against Clemson, yeah. beating the brakes off them, really kind of changed my opinion and thought process that my man really can show up in big time moments. I remember watching that game mm-hmm. and literally Got his tail wrecked on a play. Ribs all exposed, knocked out. It looked like he broke his ribs on a play. Mm -hmm. But did that knock him out for the rest of the game? Or even another series or two? No. He came back in throwing bombs 40, 50 yards down the field. I'm just like, damn. Touchdowns. You're not wrong. And you know what? Justin Fields, if the Panthers took Justin Fields, would I be upset? No. Um, I would like the Justin Fields pick. It's just... He's, his decision-making is a little concerning at times. He's got to get rid of the football. He's got to make the right reads, and he's got to not force it to try to make the big play. Remember Cam Newton had the same problem his rookie season? He did. So, Justin Fields, if you're listening, because we know you listen to the podcast. But he ain't 6'5", 260, though. Yeah, I'm with you there, but Justin Fields, if you're listening, 
Get rid of the football when you can. Take your check downs. Live to play another day. The next down is going to be there for you. Just make the smart decision. Um, with that being said, man, what are the Panthers going to do with Teddy Bridgewater? If the, if the game plan is to draft a quarterback, they have to have a game plan for unloading Teddy Bridgewater. What do you think they need to do with him? Should they trade him or keep him? What, what do we need to do with Teddy Bridgewater? Well, we can keep him. You know, that's not to me. That's not being fair to Teddy, okay. um, because not only did he not get a fair shake at you know being a quarterback for the Panthers. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was completely unfair. The man did play. Yeah. You know, you're a professional. You're expected to win, even on like short term notice or even like the backup quarterback. Most people go with right. quarterbacks longer. Right, exactly. So, but most people go longer. Um, my whole thing is, what should we do with him? You gotta, you gotta use him as a leverage in a trade. Um, I don't know what the trade value honestly is for Teddy. I mean, maybe I would do a third third round at the lowest for Teddy, fourth round, fifth, fourth, fifth round, probably more likely for Teddy at this point because he really doesn't have a Wait, lot man, of trade. You take a third round at the lowest form or the highest form? The lowest would be, uh, I mean, so no, no, the highest is, well, I, I think he's worth about a third round pick. Yeah, is what I I'm think trying. so too. About a third round pick. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, if we can get some assets where we can, you know, either uh, restock the offensive line, which is always notoriously a issue for whatever reason with the damn Panthers, just like it was with Andrew Luck. Yeah. Like we don't want the our franchise quarterback that we draft to come in and be like Joe Burrow, where he gets hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To tear his ACL or or Andrew Luck and retire at 29 Thanks, years Washington old. Redskins. You know what I'm saying? Like so, we need we need offensive line. Excuse me, Washington football team. Washington football team, as they're known, they need to get a damn name at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm wearing Redskins colors, but um, so yeah, so if we can get show up our offensive line or defensive line, I think we'll be in a uh, in a game. Hopefully they'll figure that out. Uh, we 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 may not, we may have to make a signing on the offensive line in free agency because at number eight, if they're hell bent on taking a quarterback, there probably won't be very many great offensive tackles that will be there for us to draft that are going to come in and make an impact right away. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to have to happen in free agency. I think um, so too. I agree. With that being said, I will say this, and we're, we're going to move on to our to our newest segment. I'm excited to get to it real quick. Uh, this year is going to be a, a, a make-or-break confidence season for Matt Rule. Like, the decisions he makes this offseason, along with our new GM and David Tepper, are going to go a long way in fan confidence towards Matt Rule. Matt Rule, listen, I wish you nothing the best. You are the coach of my team. Um, at the end of the day, do I have confidence in you? This season is going to tell a lot for me. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's going to tell a lot for a lot of Panthers fans, too. But uh, I, I, you got my support 100%. Behind. They better have your damn support. I mean, you're wearing Carolina's apparel right now. You know what I'm saying? You bleed blue. <laughs> so, you know, you better, you better stand behind uh, the de- uh, decisions and, you know, how we – I don't we... understand my decisions, but I will support the team. Well, uh, hopefully they just make the right and smart decisions. I don't think anything's really happened too egregious besides for you before you even got Teddy Bridgewater. That was probably the most egregious thing that they did yep. because you think he's you a stop guy. could have just got Cam Newton. Right. Uh, you could have. We honestly, we need, to, we, need to do a, we need to do a debate topic on Cam Newton because me and you have gone back and forth on the whole Cam Newton fiasco. I, I don't even know if he's a starting quarterback anymore. I don't like – I definitely probably not even a starting quarterback. Maybe – yeah, he's borderline. His career is in jeopardy. I mean, he's got to prove himself. He does have to prove himself. Uh, I will say that. But at the end of the day, we I, Cam Newton, we wish nothing but the best. Too, baby. Um, loved you down here. 
you're the best thing that happened to Carolina Panthers. I don't care what anybody says. You brought a whole different type of swag to the city. You brought a whole different type of name for the, the, the Carolina Panthers brand. You took it up to the next level. You put Charlotte on the map for as an NFL franchise. We're forever grateful for that. Best of luck to you, my friend. With that, David, we're going to move on to the next new segment, guys. This is our Fool of the Week. Okay? Now, I got a Fool of the Week right now. And, listen, it, it, it might be a little shocking. I kind of wanted to go with Jalen Johnson for what he did, but, you know, I can't fault the kid for looking at his that, future. You know what I'm saying? So I'll let him slide. Right. I thought about going after Terrell Owens when he called out Calvin Johnson for making the Hall of Fame. Like, who the hell are you, T.O.? I get it. I get that you're one of the best of all time. But Calvin Johnson would have smoked you. He would have smoked your records had he just stayed on and not retired. But I won't go after T.O. We already know about him. Right. I'm going to go after the Boston College Athletic Director. I know you're like, left field, what the hell? They just fired a head coach. They just fired Jim Christian, who is the Boston College men's basketball coach. Right. Um, He was with the team for seven years and never made an NCAA tournament. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I've seen that. let, Let me repeat that. He was with the team for seven years, not one not two, David, not three, four, or five. Right. Hell, not even six, but seven years. Okay, and for those buying cars out there, that's going to be a total of 72 months. All right, just kidding, 84 months. All right, never made the NCAA tournament. You know what his record was? Uh, No. 78 and 32. That's 37% win percentage. Right. Won 37% of his games. Um, you know what his ACC record was? What's up? 26 and 94. That's a 22% win percentage. And that's embarrassing that Boston College chose. I know I'm wearing Boston College colors too as well, but it's embarrassing that they chose to stick with this guy for so long. You know, you know, he's a nice guy is uh, what a lot of people say about him. He's friendly. He's personable. People love him. Um, but you're, you're, you're in a business of winning. But you could be as great as guys you want to. But guess what? If it doesn't accumulate and mm-hmm. uh, uh, accumulate to wins, um, there goes the door right there, sir. Exactly. And don't yes, let it hit you on the way out. Sports people, and, and this will serve you well, and won't let you get so attached to personal players moving forward. People can be great people, and they don't deserve to be cut or fired from a team. Right. But it doesn't mean they're the best fit for that team. So understand that. And that's the same thing happened up in BC. Every, David, everybody Boston has a living. College dude. Yeah is a long way from those Al Skinner days, the old head coach when they had Tyrese Rice and Jared Dudley. They're a long way away from that. And you just hope and pray that that, that, that former Big East power can get their you-know-what together and be competitive in the A. Well, so let me, let me give you my full of the week. You ready for this? Yeah. My full of the week. Now, it's actually, I'm kind of torn on giving all of City of Houston a L or mainly just the Texans organization in general a L. Because Houston this year has lost James Harden, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. JJ Watt. Come on. They need it. They also, they're, they're pretty much losing. And it, this is the biggest reason why I go with Houston, right? Is because, stop it. Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. He wants out of the Texans. He, he's gone. He, like, you, you're going to try to play hardball with him. Why? He'll, he'll what? It's only going to hurt your franchise. Let the men walk. Get some trade, get some damn trade value behind it and keep it pushing. You don't go to the scenario where Deshaun Watson has to look, 
you know, some people are going to criticize, oh, he's not a team player because he ain't show up to OTAs and he's not leading. Like, no, he's dissatisfied with the franchise right now for a lot of different reasons. The owner, the previous owner was uh, uh, set on record. We can't let the prison, the prisoners run the asylum. Like, come on. It's yeah. not, that's not even how the analogy goes. It's the insane running asylum. So if you have black men that work for you, you know what I'm saying, or you know work for the organization, producing out on the field, it's not a good look to be a billionaire white owner talking about the prisoners are running the asylum. So right now, for the Texans as a whole, it's just yeah. a L. Preach. Damn near the city. Because I forgot my boy from the Astros, too, who just left, which is a major contract that they just lost as yeah. well. So, I, yeah, they got to be the fool. You're not wrong. All I'll say with Houston fans is this. Get rid of Deshaun Watson. I know it sounds crazy. Just give him to the Panthers. How bad baby. How bad does three first-round picks and Trey Lance or Justin Fields as your quarterback moving forward sound with three extra first-round picks? It doesn't sound bad at all. Just tell your franchise to do it. Tell them to pick up the damn phone. We're calling. Listen, Deshaun Watson, if you see this, I know you watch and your homies watch as well. You see this, call your boy. Call your boy up. We'll we'll bring you to Charlotte. Ain't nothing like the 704. Real quick before we leave. Also, we're going to be running a contest uh, very soon. Um, a money contest so be on the lookout for that uh, if you like share uh, tag one of your friends a sports fanatic a Carolina fan a Duke fan just to irritate them right if nothing else um, if you uh, if you do that we're going to come up with a post where you can win our contest and be shouted out on unpopular but accurate on IG on a Facebook on the YouTube that's coming soon obviously Spotify as well so we're going to be running that so look out for that and if you haven't already hit that follow button Go ahead and do that now and uh, hold your boys down. That's right. That's right. Hey, that's all we got for you on this week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Unpopular but accurate. Again, I am your host, Dave. This is my great co-host. Oh, I'm David now. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I am Tyler. This is my great co-host, David. Sit the Please tune in next week, folks. We're going to dig in. If Duke can turn the corner and beat Virginia this weekend, make that serious tournament run. We'll also see if UNC can rebound. They better rebound at least tomorrow night or on Wednesday night against Eastern. They may be waiting for us to put everyone on notice this week with an upset at Duke. We'll see what happens. Listen, we're going to dig in the Hornets upcoming stretch. We'll see if we from COVID. See if the pitcher gets a little bit more clear for the Panthers and the offseason strategy. As always, even if you hated our takes, we hope we at least entertained you if nothing else. For David and myself, Thanks for joining us here on UBA. We'll see you next week. Deuces!